0: You are listening to Sequel Cast 2 and Friends, part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network.
1: Fishy what happened to me on that ladder. You mean by there's a fish, there could be a penguin. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From Shock Treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast.
0: Runs past that, following a franchise until the bitter end This is SequelCast And your host have that I inform you that the show will now begin Hello and welcome to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a podcast looking at movies and a franchise one at a time. We are looking at the Adam West Batman films And as our next series, starting with the 1966 theatrical film Batman, uh sometimes it's also listed as Batman the movie. I met Bradley Sherge with me as Thrasher.
1: On land you may command, but it's sea, it is me.
0: Damn it. Um it's doing it again, but let's just yeah, keep Batman. going from where we left off. It's better than last time, but um I wonder I might just have to go back to Skype in the future, but hmm. Okay. Let's just keep on going. So Thrasher, what was your rant about?
1: Oh, no, just that the 1966 Batman series, it's so hard and was so overwhelmingly popular that the expectation going forward which really lasted until the 80s was, oh, well, all superhero media must be like this. Um, And the side effect of that is that uh, DC Comics, and by extension Warner Brothers, are both deeply ashamed of that fact. Uh, and that's why any version of Batman now has to be darker than dark. They have forgotten that Batman can be fun, and that is a mistake. That's why when you look at the graphic that's presented for this movie, whenever it's re-released on home video or appears on a streaming service, now that we've crossed the HBO Max divide, um, it's always a picture of Adam West. But they, in Photoshop, add some shadows to put more definition on his muscles. On his muscles, it's all almost black and white and made to look very noir and he looks like a German expressionist monster who kills people sexually Uh, because they don't want you to know that Batman is colorful and this is one of the most colorful things you will ever watch.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it's... um, I am pretty impressed though since this film was was, uh, done before the, the series I guess how... Um, established, you know, that, that everyone is in their character. I mean, the tone isn't noticeably different. The opening credits with, like, the different colored spotlights is, like, pretty evocative.
2: Yeah, that really hit me. But then it also well, just hits you with the comedy, comedy too. because during those credits, that spotlight keeps shining on graffiti. graffiti. But the graffiti it's is always like,
1: always like a message, message from the producers. Producer. This, this movie, movie is, is for enjoyers, lovers of escapism, scapes, of fantasy of, fantasy, fantasy, of comedy and, comedy and drama. drama.
0: Yes, and like it's like for you lovers in the audience, the producers say such and such. Yeah, I mean, it does go on and on. It does set the tone and i mean this begins with uh it's a movie right so it has more production value than the series it has him out uh at sea with the uh, batman getting bit by a, a shark and the shark is shark. <clears throat> where's oh, the bat is, shark
1: you know, yo, this, this is what's interesting, this is like, it's like no, The Simpsons, Simpsons gets credit for, being for being the, first the first VCR show, show where there were jokes that you joke, really could appreciate if you had, show, had a VCR clause and was taking the screen. screen, and though VCR did, did not assists, exist, exist. Uh, uh, this, this movie, movie is kind of the same phenomenon, phenomenon because there was there a link in the missing details and scenes that are hilarious. And in the infamous scene that has a hat enough bad shark shark repellent. In the mm-hmm. band of the the there's a whole rap of quad cloud reacher reacher out. But you, could only, you, you could can only go demolitz if all have whale rail and comment to ray ray and you'll repel
0: it. Sure, it it is one of those things where um also in the main TV show they made a a habit of having signs with funny things on them. And there used to be a Twitter Exactly, it's, um, but yeah, there used to be a Twitter account that just posted random signs from the Batman 66 series.
2: I can't imagine what the whale call it for. I mean, I mean, every
1: now ever now, I mean, if you, if, you, if, you, if Batman Batman like a shark, shark, like a torpedo, the mighty, but he's released from the depths of the Pacific City Bay. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, i
2: I was also very generous of that dolphin to take a uh, fucking torpedo for, to defend Batman and
1: Robin. Same.
0: <laughs>
2: I love that all that just happened off screen.
1: Well, I'm not gonna show, show, messy, mess, messy, mess, but I do, what I do, but I do, what oh, I do I like that cuz like, you know, like Batman, Batman in, in, is in this series in, in, in general, he's he's escaping danger like like <laughs> half, half the time, times skill, skill, and the other half of time you're luck.
2: Maybe it's like a like one of his powers. He can communicate with dolphins.
0: yeah it could be certainly that is one of those things you don't um expect and yet i think uh then i i don't know, I think overall like the pacing of this movie could use some work i don't know if it feels like a movie as much despite the fact you have sort of more epic set pieces it does feel a bit like a few episodes as the TV show um it, stitched together. It does
2: feel like a feature length episode, but I do I feel like that's kind of to its benefit because it's like not trying to escape what it is. Like there's a sincerity going on here, which I definitely appreciate, yeah.
0: and yeah, the tone yeah. is the same as the show too. It doesn't feel notably different. People wouldn't walk in here and feel bamboozled.
1: Well, I think, well what I think what it is, what it is, I, is I'm glad you used the honesty word honesty, because, because camp, camp can be achieved in two ways, ways. And, and, and there's, there's the shitty way, ways, which this is, this is camp, camp and camp sucks, yeah, sucks. Yeah, eat it up, morons. morons, and then, and then there's, so oh, this, oh, this'll, oh, this'll be fun. And that's, and that's what this is. What this is. This will, this will be fun and, fun and entertaining. entertaining, sort of. Sort thing of can they, like know, they know? They know how preposterous this is. That's, that's what the tone they've, they've set. They've set. They're going to have. They're going have a, to they're do much as much with that as possible. possible. The, and you're right. when you talk about pacing, every scene does last about five seconds longer than it needs to. And, and and yet and, those extra five, extra five like, seconds do kind of, of like help things hand land hand 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 and give room for improvisation. Burgess Meredith was very fond of, of like improvising lines and beefing up his already overwritten scripts. scripts. And because of those extra seconds, like we actually have time for that. Like that whole bit where they're scooping up the dehydrated guinea pigs and you know you just kind of offhandedly remark, Be careful, every one of them has a mother. He made that up on the
2: spot. That's amazing. I love it. But yeah, this is like the right. But something else. Oh, sorry. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, something else I want to say in praise of this movie that I that I find fascinating is this movie manages to balance. Not only four supervillains, but the four top supervillains in the Batman mythos, Joker, Riddler, Catwoman, and the Penguin, they are balanced and utilized perfectly, and no other Batman movie, and all the other Batman movies can barely balance
2: two villains. Oh yeah, and even when it's two, it feels like it's overstuffed, whereas... These guys, and they're all in the same room at the same time, working together. They're not like at odds or like in competition with each other to outdo Batman. Like they are a crew. It's kind of hilarious. I love it.
0: Yeah, you see them bickering. It's, it reminds me a bit of the, the interplay between some of the bad guys on like GI Joe or Transformers, that sort of thing. It should be noted, you know, the writer of the film also wrote the pilot for the Batman series. It's Lorenzo Simple Jr. People might know him for. Writing the uh Dino De Laurentiis, uh, Flash Gordon, and uh, King Khan films yeah, He
2: also did a bunch of those bitch the... and, uh, paranoid thrillers like uh, Three Days of the Condor and Parallax View. Parallax View is an awesome fucking movie, and the sequel to yeah. Harbor, The Drowning right.
0: Pool. And towards the end, um, simple and it, it, I don't know if it was his wife or just a friend of his, uh, Marsha. They reviewed movies on YouTube as real geezers. And one of the last reviews uh, they they posted was them bitching about the Dark Knight and how they thought it was should be rated R and was inappropriate. Oh, wow. Kind of going back to to Thrasher's comment with the the violence and so forth, where they're like, we would never do this trash. But then what's very interesting is you go back to when Batman 89 came out, the, the Tim Burton film with Michael Keaton as Batman and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And there is a, some TV special where they talked to, uh, I don't remember if Adam West was on it, but it was certainly uh, the Riddler and, um, it, you know, it was Frank Gorshin, Caesar Romero, and uh, Burgess Meredith. And they were complaining about how dark and inappropriate the Batman 89 oh, wow. film was. So that that's an interesting bit of um, footage to dig to up, I think. Because the the press for that film, like, oh, that one's really dark. But you look at it now, and it's sort of, uh, you know, it seems camp yeah. in a way, right? Compared definitely to the a balance other
2: ones. of the gothy well, impression, you know, gothy German expressionism and and sixties camp. Like, oh, there's, I feel like there's a balance there. Well,
1: well, well, Batman eighty nine does have a definite sense of fun, and it, and you know, it has that early Burton joie de vivre to it. I think, I think everyone assumes it's dark because like because of the sort of the, the noir and German expressionist influence that it has and how the, the the light and the dark are so stark in that movie. Uh but is in its own way like campy as hell. like I think people assume it's dark because you see the Joker outright murder people on screen. It never occurs to them that the Joker is a cackling prancing clown in garish neon colors the whole <laughs> time. They can't see past that surface. Yeah, speaking
2: level. of color, too, I love that this is
1: just straight up, like obviously California. Yeah, I love that, and and that's actually that sometimes comes across in the in the sixty six series. But yeah, like it's like yeah, Bat- yeah, Gotham City's Burbank. Yeah, totally. Right? Like
2: very coastal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely, it's not something you. You know, it's quite sunny. It, I You know, that ocean stuff in the beginning reminds me, you had an episode in season three of Batman where it's the Joker surfing and stuff like that. Oh, my God. So you did have some episodes where where they go outside and there's water and so forth, but not... Uh, again, I, it's worth mentioning just, you know, the scope of this is bigger. The sets seem a bit bigger. The director of this, Leslie H. Martinson, also directed a few episodes of the uh, from the first season uh, that happened to be Penguin-focused.
1: And he has a, a huge uh, filmography. He did Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, Airwolf. Uh, he, he directed four episodes of Small Wonder with Vicky the Robot, if anyone remembers that. Uh, an interesting thing worth seeking out if you're kind of a DC on the small screen completist, he directed the pilot. So... Batman almost launched kind of a television DC universe. The only one that ever really got off the ground was the Green Hornet, uh, uh, live action series. But there was the third series they tried to get off the ground was Wonder Woman, and so he directed the pilot, Wonder Woman, Who's Afraid of Diana Prince? This is not a good pilot. It's also barely a pilot. I think it only runs about eight oh minutes. Um. And the premise for this Wonder Woman series is truly bizarre. Uh, So, it's Wonder Woman, and she's a professional woman and a superhero living in Washington, D.C., but her roommate is her mother-hen-clucking-immortal-witch mother. What? And... Most of this pilot is Wonder Woman transforming into her costume and preening in front of a mirror, so that you can see that, so that the the men in the audience can see that costume from all angles at once. Weird. It's a it's a weird bit of what could have been. That is very strange. Although interestingly enough, her transformation is basically the transformation that Linda Carter would do, uh, much uh, like a decade is that, later.
0: Is this the one where she's blonde, or is that a different pilot?
1: She's... I, that's a different pilot. This okay. one, she 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 doesn't have the iconic black hair, but I think it's more like I think it's chestnut. If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've watched it. But it is it, it is floating around online. There's a
2: very nautical through line in this guy's work with Batman, PT-109, Fathom, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. He's a very seafaring director, we'll say.
0: Yeah, but even back in the 50s he was directing episodes of the Roy Rogers show. I mean, that shows you how... Um uh, he's had a career just directing film uh, and television, so he he does a good job here. I, I don't think he gets too too fancy with the camera, but he doesn't really have to. And it just um
1: Well he's again doing the camera just camera work. Yeah. It's every everything looks it's it, it, it is for most of the movie, it is like you're watching a play. But something that I love, and this was consistent in both the movie and in the series, is that whenever it's just the villains on screen, it's everything is at a Dutch oh, yeah. angle, because they're crooked. It has to be.
0: Yes. That, I'm thinking that of what, adds such... Yeah, t- no, t- no,
1: totally. It's,
2: it, don't, it doesn't cost no. a dime.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking of what you said earlier, Thrasher of Hell. Um, a lot of modern Batman movies will, will have many villains and struggle with it, and I think part of the and this one, the villains are always working together, right? So it's always scenes with all of them. And in um, other Batman films, the villains they seem to think they have to have a story arc—a beginning, middle, and an end. And instead, it feels very episodic, where oh, Batman takes out bad guy one, and then he takes out bad guy two, and then oh, you have this to have this dramatic scene with uh, bad guy three, and back to bad guy one, and you feel kind of yanked around. And it doesn't feel cohesive as a as a piece as a whole. Instead, it feels more like a video game where oh, there's this boss at the end of uh, this le- this location, and there's a different boss yeah. later on at the the headquarters. Oh,
2: also, too, like with the other yeah. bat iterations, yeah. is that if you're gonna play it so dark and sober, then you have to make the the villains all the more villainous, and therefore, like you said, they need to have their stupid arc and backstory and everything. Whereas here, it's the Riddler's the Riddler because he's the Riddler. Joker's Joker because the movie says so, and Catwoman's Catwoman, end of fucking story. And they're all out to, to, to fucking dominate the
1: world. It's just, it's just, it's just yeah. yeah. I I really do. I really do love it that 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 is the master plan. They're going to kidnap a, a. They call it United World, yeah. but it's the United Nations. They're going to kidnap the United Nations Security Council and hold hold yeah. the world hostage, essentially. Which is great, and it's and it is all about money. They don't have some weird political agenda. It's just no, no. We want a ridiculous yeah. amount of money. I also love that their
2: meeting looks like like the banquet and room I love to that... like the airport Marriott.
1: <laughs> oh, oh yeah, <laughs> and I love that that you know, their hideout is in that dive yes. bar where. Anytime they go to the dive bar, it's the same group of people brawling, the same couple making out, and the same two women. Yeah, the women in the foreground that don't flee when he's coming through with a bomb.
0: Today's show is brought to you by Epos Gaming Audio. With a comprehensive lineup of both wired and wireless headsets, gaming amplifiers, microphones, and webcams, Epos has everything you need to experience the power of audio like their H6 Pro lineup, which features two versions, an open or closed headset. The closed headset allows you to tap into exceptionally detailed audio and seals out ambient noise while the open version delivers natural, high-fidelity audio with an incredible soundstage. Both headsets include a magnetic detachable microphone and a sleek design that has no wild RBG configurations, just good design. Listeners can save 15% by visiting www.eposaudio.com gaming and entering code EPOSFRIENDS15 at checkout.
1: In today's age, you need a podcast you can trust. That's why you need Hair of the Dogcast, entertaining and well-informed discussions on both video games and beer. Meet our local podcast team, Dylan. I'm out here on the street, Brad, and everyone's clamoring for better podcasts. Our new rookie correspondent, Tyler. I play The Witcher, and I'm Brad, <laughs> and I'm slowly learning to hate myself in video games. <laughs> and Dylan's reporting to us live from Kingdom Hearts 3. There's a lot of Frozen here. <laughs> Too much Frozen. Hair of the Dogcast is a podcast you can trust. On your favorite podcast app every Wednesday, or whenever I decide to post it. Only on the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. <laughs> oh, yeah. and that, Okay, we gotta talk about that yep. legendary scene, because when... It's difficult to describe this movie cuz th- there is enough plot in this movie for 3 movies. Right. It, it, things happen so quickly. Um but Batman, yeah, Batman, you know, he's just, he knows where the hideout is cuz as Bruce Wayne, he was kidnapped. So he goes back to bust up the criminals and they they've all fled, but they've left this huge cartoonish bomb in the second floor. So he goes running around with the bomb, trying to dispose of it. And it's just great physical comedy where everywhere he goes to get rid of the bomb, there's somebody there and he doesn't want anyone to get hurt to the point where like, there's some baby ducks. <laughs> so he doesn't want to get rid of it. The there. baby
2: just get rid of a bomb.
1: And there's a. Yeah. And yeah, that great quote. And quotable. And there's that salvation army band <laughs> that keeps walking through the scene. And after they set, and, and what's great is is that, like, individually he does bump into the Salvation Army band twice. He bumps into the woman with the berry, ba- uh, baby carriage twice. He runs into, I think it's like a person walking a dog twice. And what I absolutely love is at the height of this scene with him running around on the bomb, he runs into them all again in succession. <laughs> and he just keeps
2: zigzagging.
1: It's one of those things where,
2: like... If you do it once or twice, it's not funny, but when you do like four, five, six, seven, eight times, it becomes hilarious. It's like Sideshow Bob stepping on the rakes. It's the,
1: it's the comedy of persistence. Exactly. It's great. Definitely. Well, Movie does need so if you get the DVD, the DVD has an audio commentary with Adam West and Burt Ward that is very fun and also very informative. But one thing I wish this movie had, I wish I could watch it with um with informational text because I think, like you know, especially if you know for a modern audience. There are certain like cameos and references that I do feel like need a little explanation unless you're like a historian. Because and, and the thing is, I pick up on a lot of them because I'm fascinated with old media. But I am sure there are references to the politics and the events and the people of the late 60s. I'm just not getting, and I want to get. Yeah, those someone things. needs to
2: do like a like a Los Angeles plays itself treatment of the Batman film because there's probably a lot of weird references like Californian civic history and shit. California
0: yeah, City
1: exactly. <laughs> but like, like, like a prime a prime example because we do see the United World Security Council and you can clearly tell what nation everyone's from because they've got their like their like name plates with the member nation and yet they're dressed so specifically i assume they are supposed to look like a foreign dignitary that that a person from the 60s could wear oh recognize. yeah yeah of course like the guy from like you
2: know africa has to have like the dashiki and the cap and everything and, you know, the Soviet guy needs to have all the fucking war medals and stuff like that. You know, it needs to be the hyperbolic, exaggerated version of all these nations.
1: Oh, okay. You know what I got to... Well, something I got to point out, and this struck me for the first time when I watched it last night for this podcast. So, uh, there's an African-American guy who is one of the reporters and who talks to Batman at the press conference that Batman holds... They don't let Batman hold press conferences anymore, but he's doing a press conference. Uh, but then, there's yeah, there's also the, the representative from Nigeria who's speaking Nigerian. And it occurs to me, is this the most speaking roles black people have ever had? In I think Batman it's got to
2: be the first time we've ever had, like, actual Nigerian language on film
0: in an American movie as well. well I don't know. You know I mean, be you... The first <laughs> You know, recall they had uh, Billy D Williams was um in the, well, the Batman that's 89. One. That's, that's one. That's one. This
1: movie has two.
0: Right, and you had um I think some African uh American gangsters in The Dark Knight perhaps. But you're right. It's um not a whole lot of people of color in in the Batman films and um while other series have done a good job about that. Weirdly Batman has not, and I'm not quite sure why that. Oh, right, right, I take that back. Isn't, um, oh, in the new one, isn't it, uh, Gordon?
2: Uh, Jeffrey Wright, right? Commissioner
0: Gordon. Yeah, Jeffrey oh, yeah. Wright. So, so, so there's kind of one that one as well. It's, it's, it's right, but you're right. Not, not, not a very. Regardless, yeah, not, um, not the most diverse cast. But yeah, I think I'll probably, I'd, I'd recommend this movie. You can watch it without seeing the show. If you do watch the show beforehand, I think you'll kind of get more of a heads up on what the tone is. But this one is worth seeking out. As of this recording, it is streaming on uh, Max, which they just renamed okay, HBO Max title, as.
1: I I believe it's also on Tubi as well.
0: Yes, yeah, it's but often on Tubi. We will reference Tubi. Um, it, Thrasher, would you recommend?
1: i absolutely would recommend i mean this this is a fun movie and like it's also a great way to introduce batman in the rogues gallery to to, like little kids uh and you know who knows maybe they'll turn against it when they see a darker grittier batman movie like a lot of like a lot (laughs) of fools did uh but i mean this is just so fun and like you can and you could also like watch it with a crowd and like have a great communal experience kind of like yeah. riffing on the movie and, you know, pointing weird things out. I, I do have a question for you two though, assuming you've seen enough of the original series. So uh, as Adam West pointed out on the, on uh, the Simpsons, there's only one true Catwoman, and her name is Lee Merriweather or Julie Newmar or Eartha Kitt. Um, so this is Lee Merriweather's only uh, a this is Lee Merrow's only live action appearance as Catwoman. What do you think of her compared to, uh, uh, Eartha Kitt and Julie Newmar?
2: I, Earth, to me, Catwoman is Eartha Kitt. Like, if you say Catwoman, that's who I think of, like, right out the bat.
0: Yeah, Eartha Kitt, I prefer as well. I think, um, Lee Merriweather is. Is okay you know there's kind of like a a regal nature to the way she um he plays the character but she just doesn't i don't she seems a bit stiff in in some ways and the others uh uh, earth kid especially plays it very loose and uh and cackling and kind of more more fun more in tone with other villains on the uh, television series
1: so, something I will say in praise of Lee Meriwether, though, there is a viciousness that her Catwoman has that neither Eartha Kitt nor Julie. Yeah, knew. there's
2: something going on, and Lee Meriwether, I think, is a pretty good performer here. Um, but I think she, I feel like she's having
1: more fun when she's Kitka. Oh, well, she she's she does she does more subtlety in her acting. I ironically, it's more camp, but also more subtle when she's impersonating the Russian reporter oh. Kitka. Which is a whole other thing. Like if you don't know the Cold War, I don't know how that that plays for you. Uh, but but it's but I also love the sort of glassnost sentiment that Kitka and Bruce Wayne have oh, when yeah. they start dating and and get so horny. This is the horniest Batman oh, has ever been on screen, and I am oh not definitely joking. without a doubt. What did you he say? He's like, this is a
2: huge I, step for international
1: diplomacy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe I'm going to be carried away. But you know, you know, what else I love about that whole thing is that um <laughs> is uh, is that they keep hearkening back to they they keep playing this snippet of music, which is "I can't help falling in love with you" by Oh, but I thought in it was in French. And, and, and I'm pretty I... sure that's Russian. Um, but. But I love that, and I love that you know his his like her idea of romance is 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 envisioning rampaging Cossacks, and and my I imagine something quite different. Uh, but then also when he when Catwoman's mask falls off and Batman realizes that she is Kitka and that his heart has been broken, like Batman just kind of like looks into the middle distance and the Russian <laughs> love song comes. Back. I love it. It's great. I like yeah, it. Also, like, um,
2: you know, she's a little more campy when she's Kitka. And when it comes to the camp factor, just lay it on thick as you can, because that's when this movie's at its best. Like, this is like, if you, if you read, like, Susan that's Sontag's, like... anyone who hasn't read this, I highly encourage you to read it. If you're interested in cultural criticism and the arts in general... Uh, read um, Susan Sontag's thoughts on camp. It's like the camp manifesto. If you thought you understood camp and you haven't read this, then yeah, I thought I knew camp man. And then this like blew me out of the water. Um, I would highly recommend And it's everywhere. It's like public domain. It's uh, it'll definitely uh, improve your lensing of the original Batman.
0: Yep. All right. Well, very good. Um, as far as what we've been watching, I, I saw a TV series that just uh, popped up on... This used to be called IMDB TV, but now it's rebranded as Free V. But uh, regardless, it's on uh, Amazon Prime, and presumably... F- and, and yeah, I guess Amazon bought, bought it out, so that's why it's called Free V. Um, it is called Jury Duty. Has anyone else heard of man? this one? <laughs> no. It is a reality show it's a reality show in which uh it's uh, set you know in a court and it's about people on jury duty, but everyone is an actor except for one so way it's
2: a of reality show is it? not that a yes
0: <laughs> but it's but it's okay. but but it's all actors except for one and he doesn't know that the rest of them are actors and the other people and with the exception of James Marsden who plays himself um the rest are all character actors that you wouldn't recognize from anything really and it is uh it's pretty well done and it's only 8 episodes so it's pretty short and um ironically the guy the main person in there you know, excuse me, Um, got called for jury duty in real life shortly <laughs> oh, after nice. completing the show. Oh. <laughs> but, but this, you know, the closest thing I can compare it to is a, a reality show way back on Spike TV called The Joe Blow Show. Oh, where, i was but, just well, coming that, back now. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Um. But well, that was sort of an over-the-top sort of a bachelor kind of conceit with people in a house, this jury duty, I think it's more... A lot of the people they found, like, aren't necessarily full-time actors, but they're people with professional jobs otherwise. And you can tell there's a real kind of naturalism. And while things get crazy, they never get too crazy. I I served on jury duty myself for about four days. And uh, it is, yeah, I found it, you know, pretty, um, pretty funny. It's it's worth the watch. At least check out the pilot at the least. It's on Amazon under uh, Amazon Prime under Free V. Uh, it is called Jury Duty. So check that one out. You could also just access it on. Jeez, Jesus Christ. Excuse me. Yeah, you can access it on Amazon.com slash free V, F R E E V E E. So you don't think you need Amazon Prime to watch it. Far out. Um, Thrasher, what have you been watching?
1: So I watched, I revisited something from my youth. I watched the Three Stooges feature film, Have Rocket Will Travel, which I first saw, I think like like the Batman 66 movie, I believe I saw for the first time on TV when I was seven, and I've always been a fan of the Three Stooges. So when I, so when I saw, wait a minute, a Three Stooges movie? This is the greatest thing ever. I remember watching it and liking it. Hadn't seen it since until last week. So I rewatched it. It is not that good.
0: That's their first feature, isn't it?
1: I know. I think their first feature was the ah. Three Stooges Meet Hercules. I'll have to double check because mm. because th- this is this is latter day Stooges because it's uh, it's uh, Larry Moe and Curly Joe Dorita who uh, MST3K defined uh, Curly Joe Dorita as the Stooge that couldn't take a punch. Yes, and uh... but, but it. It's a sci-fi pastiche. They're they're uh, they're like janitors, and they're all like janitors and handymen who work at a rocket laboratory and end up almost accidentally inventing a super rocket fuel, but then get blasted into space, end up on Mars, fight giant spiders and robots, and then come back to Earth with a uh, unique talking unicorn. Um, when they're just allowed to do Stooges shtick, like when they're doing the janitors and handyman stuff, it is really good when they have to do the sci-fi stuff like bumbling around on mars it gets really uninteresting and i realize i shouldn't expect a lot of good science fiction from this but the science fiction elements are really slapdash to like to like the point where like the robot that rules mars sends like this magic this flying car to pick them up but then after they get into the car it just teleports them to its base on mars so why did it need to send a car when it could just teleport them and like there's a lot of stuff like that of well wait a minute if you had this power why did you use these three other powers (laughs) um Though the one thing that did jump out at me so, uh, voice actor Dal McKinnon is the voice of the unicorn, uh, and here also known as Dallas McKinnon. He has a long voice acting history. He did a lot of radio, he did a lot of animation. He was the animation voice for Archie Andrews for many, many years from Archie Comics. He, uh, he was also the voice of uh, the original voice of Zeke, the country bear, and the country bears attraction. He's a voice in the Haunted Mansion. He also. He's got a lot of video game credits, but he's not actually in those any of those video games. He apparently recorded a stock laughter sound effect that has shown up in eight different video games, including hmm. Stalkers 3.
0: Well, that's bizarre, because that's a fighting game. Okay. Interesting. Oh, and
2: was the voice of Gumbi. I love Gumbi. Uh, The stop motion claymation one? Ah, bitchin'.
0: Yeah, not the Eddie Murphy one, I guess. That's the other (laughs) one, right?
1: Not Gumby, damn it. Gumby, damn it, yeah. Which in the 80s, there was a late 80s revival of Gumby, and they actually acknowledged that. There's a Gumby short where he's going to like a Halloween party, and there's a montage of him trying on different costumes, and one of the costumes is Gumby in the outfit from Eddie Murphy's Raw, and then he also has an Eddie Murphy mask (laughs) on his face. So yeah, well, the creator of Gumby, Art Clokey, the creator of Gumby, he was actually flattered by that. He thought that was really that was really fun. The 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 idea of, of Eddie Murphy as this washed up showbiz Gumby who's just <laughs> angry and all the time.
0: That's nice. You never um you know, sometimes you get the original creators get a bit prickly with their creations, but that's it's always a better look if you're like, Oh, that's cool. I'm just glad people are still watching it. You know that attitude is uh, always. Um, I woke up the other day
2: and I was overwhelmed with the urge to watch Ken Russell's 1969 film *Women in Love*. That's that's what like that's the kind of life I lead. I guess I wake up and I'm just ready to watch a Ken Russell movie. I think is a great way to live. I'm very happy with my life. Um, Have either of you seen this? It's a it's a fantastic a film. Of, Ken you know. Russell it's a little restrained I would say it's a period piece about uh, a quartet of of um I guess people of relative privilege um coming of age in this kind of uh, free-spirited philosophical educated way but they' it's a very like you know quasi erotic um I guess love story slash coming of age story but there's a weird undercurrent of like the 1920s, like, um, like, English coal mining labor stuff, and, um, funny bit of trivia, I got striked by Facebook, because I posted that I was watching this, and I uploaded a picture, uh, the poster, the film poster, and at one point, a pivotal plot point is, um, Oliver Reed and Alan Bates' characters wrestle naked, like old Olympians, you know? And, like, the poster shows, like, an image of them grappling, and you see, like, part of, like, Oliver Reed's butt. And it got taken down as like a, a like a lewd community violation guideline thing. And I was like, Are you are you fucking kidding me? It's it's, it's art. Fucking art. It's a it's a British art film from nineteen sixty nine. Like so if I posted like Michelangelo's David, would I get fucking bone for that? Like, come on, Facebook. Honestly. That's yeah. a
1: worthy so experiment, honestly. Post right Michelangelo's thing, David. You know?
0: I mean, people have, yeah, I'm uh, speaking of, you know, things that would get banned from Facebook. Did you see at the Cannes Film Festival, they premiered Caligula, the ultimate cut? Really? Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's more cuts of Caligula than Oliver Stone's Alexander, it seems like. There's um, quite a lot of different versions out there, different releases, and uh, in America, it's... Uh, very expensive to, um, well, let's say, legitimately get the uh, original uncut version. Uncut. But this Ultimate Cut has some footage that I don't think has been seen even since the premiere. It's been... Uh, so Whether I hope we get a good box set release out of all this with all the different versions. But we'll just have to see. There, there's a very good... Um, I think the UK version in particular is the most least fiddled with version that's uh called uh the Imperial Edition of Caligula but that there's an ultimate cut that was presented in uh in can under the can classic banner I think is very there's a couple uh, of amusing Caligula
2: knockoff movies and that came in Italy shortly afterwards Yeah Oh yes.
0: yeah Yeah there's a few of those um I think that one was, was even uh, called Caligula, Caligula and, uh, or something and
2: Caligula, the untold story.
0: <laughs> yeah. On, um, the, the Gilbert Godfrey podcast, they got, uh, towards the end there, they got Malcolm McDowell as a guest and he mentioned wanting to do a one man show. Just him talking about his experience making Caligula because it was the end I of a certain kind that. of Hollywood. And he mentions, uh, Peter O'Toole is, uh, is in the film, right? And, uh, at the time, Peter O'Toole would, would say, Oh, this is such a great film. And then after it came out that it didn't make that much money, he just proceeded to like bad mouth it in the press. The and, like, why... what a terrible picture. But... Isn't
1: that
2: Peter O'Toole's MO? You know, like the reason why, like, uh, like, yeah, why it came into like form <laughs> is because, um, Roman Polanski did a film adaptation of Macbethans in the early 70s, 71. And, um, what happened? Yeah, so Playboy produced it, and oh, it's like, Playboy you know, very was classy, that, very right? regal, very, like, you know, violent, dark. It's Macbeth, so obviously it's violent and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, fucking um, uh, Hustler um, was basically like, oh, yeah, well, if, yeah, if Playboy's going to make a fucking, Bob you know, a period violent, a, a, you know, a violent period film, we're going to do our own grand, violent, epic, you know, fucking movie, but instead, you know, they didn't make a classy Shakespeare adaptation, they made fucking Caligula. <laughs> so it's like the competitive answer to a classy Playboy production is a Trashy Hustler production, which is pretty consistent with each MO.
1: <laughs> and, me- and meanwhile, uh, Larry Flint from Hustler just shot some super great <laughs> footage of, of two people boning.
0: Right, it's, um, you know, I, I hope that that gets a triple A or triple X release, as it were, this ultimate kind of collicula. I think it has a lot of alternate takes that weren't used. This has been a very, very long process of um, a, a producer working with Penthouse Films International to track down the surviving films, and there's a lot of issues about who has what and what was approved, so be interesting at the least and uh, I can't believe it's almost uh, the summer right so we have Indiana Jones 5 comes out in June
1: I guess we should do a sequel cast catch up
0: I think so yeah it's uh, between that and Creed oh, 3, no. whenever that pops up on Prime, we should Cook probably do that creed, one too. Cuckoo Creed! Cuckoo
2: Creed! Cuckoo creed, creed,
0: creed, creed, creed! Man, I've been watching that yeah, Sylvester uh, Stallone reality show. That's...
2: Ugh. Oh, so, hey. Paramount Plus. We're, Got we're renewed so for a second season,
0: though, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I suppose. I mean, it's more about his daughters than him, really, which is fine, but I think it makes you... You know, while they were filming this, there was stuff in the press about oh, they're getting divorced, and maybe was it just a gag it's for their TV the show, their reality Stallone. show? Because um, it
2: be called "Sly
1: and the Family." Yeah, Stone.
0: it is on Paramount Plus. um Yes, and if you know and that had story. to
1: be the original title, but then they were t- I hope suit. So.
0: Maybe, yeah, but it's. um I have to say, though, I mean, when when Stallone is just out eating with his family. He's he's pretty delightful. He has like a very corny sense of humor and they all kind of bag on each other except his, uh, his wife doesn't seem to, to join in on the, the shit talking. But when it's him in front of the camera, uh, he's filmed against like this super white background and there's so many lights. Oh, you wow. can see like the reflection of the ring lights in his pupils. And, that, and, and he's trying to be kind of like a more humble Stallone and that one doesn't come off as good to me. But when he's just like in the Whoa. pilot, like they have Al Pacino that they're having lunch with, Holy and shit. it's Al Pacino and oh, Dolph Lundgren and Frank Stallone. Wow! So, and so, Pacino's like, I'll take, I'll take a, a slice of cheese. Ah, oh, stick it on my oh. mouth, sly. The
2: oh. Godfather, oh. Godfather, oh. fucking oh. Rocky crossover.
1: Wow. <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> Pachisno. They call me Al Pachisno.
0: That's pretty good. I belong to um, super society. I Pachisno. Yeah. Huh?
1: building the ark.
0: I I like that. Um, you know, Sylvester Stallone tried out for The Godfather because every every Italian actor <laughs> did it at the time, and he was told he didn't look Italian enough by the casting <laughs> director, which is um, pretty crazy uh, looking back on it. Although I wonder what part he would have, if he would have wanted to play the James Caan part, maybe, I don't know, I wonder.
1: I, I like to imagine, though, that whenever Sylvester Stallone eats, he eats just like his character Machine <laughs> yes, Gun okay. Joe from Death Race 2000. <laughs>
0: I t- I, I'll you tell you what,
1: clam sauce!
0: weirdly, he tends to get on these things where he just eats the same thing over and over again when he's doing a lot of training and building muscle. And for a while, he was eating nothing but, like, fruit sherbet.
1: That sounds healthy, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I suppose. And he says you have to be like a thoroughbred horse and have a consistent diet, because it helps with your... You can save your thinking for the weights. But, uh, anyhow, we have this scene, the sequel scene. Let me, and let me it see. Is, uh, You see Hello. it there in the chat, Alex?
1: If you oh, scroll yeah. up... Um. Oh, I got it. I I can uh, I can repost it if y'all want. Okay, cool.
0: do need to set the scene. It's Gordon, Batman, and the police uh, chief O'Hara.
1: Yeah. So this is after this is after the press conference. They all have a private conversation in the commissioner's office, and they go through the master file of all super criminals that are still at large to sort of try to figure figure up who's responsible for the disappearance of the yacht and the sharks and all this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, we've got Commissioner Gordon, we've got Batman, we've got Chief O'Hara. i might like to be Chief, Chief O'Hara. O'Hara.
2: Be, uh, Batman? Okay. All right, so that oh, makes thank you yeah, so Commissioner will be Gordon.
0: And you'll be uh, Gordon. It's interesting how what what a small role Gordon has in this, compared to in the newer films. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, he's more of a support character. He's mainly there to tell Batman, the Joker's escaped! Get at it!
0: Right. Penguin, Joker, so there we go, let's go. And
2: Catwoman, too! Some of the angles of that rectangle is too monstrous to
1: contemplate! We've been given the plainest warning. They're working together to take over.
0: Take over what, Batman? Gotham City?
1: Any two of them would try that.
0: (laughs) The whole cunt... shit.
1: (laughs) Do you want to do this over? No. The whole We'll take it from Commissioner Gordon's line. If it were three of them, I would say yes, but four... Their minimum objective must be dun, dun, dun. the entire world. <laughs> there we go.
0: So, so next week we'll be watching the first of two uh, animated features that had a brief, like one-day uh, fathom event theatrical release called. I think it's Batman the Cape Crusader Return, of the, Caped uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders, Return of the Cape Crusaders. So, it is. Um, you know, Batman 66 style, certainly with the the animation, but you have Adam West and Burt Ward uh, and Julie Newmar, of all people, re- uh, reprising their roles with yeah, other actors. Yeah, best
1: to, to bring back as much of the surviving cast as they could get.
0: Yeah, and other actors, I think, do a, a pretty decent um, stand uh What am I saying? Sound likes. <laughs> so you want to okay. go nuts? Let's get nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. The Flash. When someone had a, I don't even think it was a joke, but they said their dad was asking, What's the new Batman movie? And the, the son responds, The Flash.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> sort of. I don't know. My,
1: my enthusiasm for that movie that has guy, been like, dead for like scumbag? a year and a half. so...
0: <laughs> it's been delayed Isn't for. Did an
2: actor replace The Flash like a huge scumbag?
0: What? Um they, it appears that way. There's ours. a lot it's of like, things. Like, yeah, will never
2: get me. <laughs> what the fuck?
1: <laughs> yes. They, yeah, this guy's a real number.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: It's It's it's, out, it's outside of the scope of the show, but, but but yeah, they they have problems.
0: There's there's grooming stuff going on with younger people. They're allegedly well, there's Once
1: again, outside yes, of the scope of the outside show. Of I don't the want scope. To bring Okay. I no. Don't want f- to bring fair enough. Our audience down with yeah. all the horrific accusations that are surrounding the star of that film.
0: Okay, I'll cut that out then. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Okay,
1: we we should sign off.
0: <laughs> yeah, sign off. First sequel kiss. <laughs> sequel cast too. This is Matt. This is
1: Batman. And this is Thresher. Same. A quote. From Edgar Allan Poe for one who's about to enter paradise. <laughs>